Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. I wanted to say this for a Sunday, uh, but I feel led to teach it tonight, and I could not shake uh, what the Lord has been depositing into me for for this night. I've said it many times, I, I see it as a pastor, and I, I, I've watched generational shifts in the apostolic church, a generational shifts. People in my generation no longer believe what we were handed and what we were given. They've diluted the gospel, they've diluted and, and, and basically let loose of essential things that uh, were lines of demarcation. They were things that uh, defined who we are. I'm glad that we have definitions of who we are. I'm glad that God has put, and I'm going to use the word tonight a lot, structure in the body of Christ. Uh, But what I don't want us to do as a church and as individuals, I, I I want to equip you as saints of God. That's my job tonight is equipping you. Because there is a spirit running rampant right now. Trying to deceive the very elect. And trying to cause us to fall away. Give up. Question. Uh, And it's okay to have questions. You've not got to know in whom you have believed. But to the point that it causes you and causes me to backslide. So I have one goal tonight. One goal and one goal only. Is I want to give you substance. And give you tools on how to backslide proof your life. How To backslide proof your life. I do not want to be one of the casualties. Can I get a witness in this? I don't want to be a casualty of war. I don't want to be a casualty of this last day. The Bible says that there would be a falling away. The very elect being deceived. The Bible says. Gives that prophetic word to the church. So it behooves you and I to understand and know how to not fall away, Brother Edwin. How not to backslide in this last and evil day. Because I believe in the midst of the falling away. There's going to be a great end gathering, a great harvest. And I want to be right in the middle of what God is doing in the last hour. I don't want to be a casualty and it be said that I backslid. I got distracted. I started looking to the left. I started looking to the right. And I'm no longer in my rightful place in the body. So I want to help you tonight. 2 Peter 1, 1 through 11, you'll see it on the screen. Simon Peter, everybody say a servant 
and an apostle of Jesus Christ. To them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the, somebody say knowledge, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory, called us to virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and besides this, giving all diligence, here's where I'll launch from tonight, add to your faith virtue. Somebody say virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they, everybody say they, those seven things I just said, they make you that ye shall never be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But don't stop reading. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, hath forgotten he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. And this last line is where I'm going to preach from. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. If you want to know how not to backslide, there's seven things you and I have got to do. And if you do them, I've got a promise for you tonight. You will never fall. But if you don't do them, we read what we, we are likened unto. Verse number 11, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the ever lasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we do these things, I'm going to break these down. You shall never fall, but by doing them, it opens the doorway. It's an entrance way that we can abundantly live, abundantly flourish, abundantly walk into the everlasting kingdom of God. So if I do these things, somebody say, do these things. I, I think it's very interesting. It didn't say, if you hear these things. It did not say, if you study these things. It said, if you do these things. 
There's a big difference than coming to Wednesday night Bible study and hearing the word of God, hearing the preaching of the word. It's one thing to hear it, but it's another thing to, 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 to take ownership of it and say, you know what, I need to make some adjustments in my life. I need to make some necessary improvements in my life because what I don't want to happen is what the scripture says, I'll fall. One translation, fall away or backslide or become an apostate or the apostasy. And when I begin to look at all of these words, fall away, backslide, apostasy, an act of refusing to continue to follow, obey, or recognize a religious faith. So when we backslide, hear me, it is the intentional act of refusing to obey. You don't backslide accidentally. You don't backslide overnight. You don't wake up and, and you just backslide. No, 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 no. It's a gradual process, brother. It Little by little, there's a pulling away. There's a refusing of submittal to the word of God. There's a refusal of adding to your experience. You know, the, when, you're, when you are backsliding, the last thing to leave the building is your body. Because you can sit in an apostolic church service and be backslidden. You can come every service and be backslid. The last thing to leave is your body. But when I look at the word, anybody ever heard of reprobate? Reprobate, unapproved, rejected, by implication, worthless, literally or morally, cast away, rejected. When I begin to look at all of these things, and I began to look at apostasy and, and reprobate. It is an abandonment, abandonment of previous loyalty. Or it's a defection. When you defect from something, you turn your back on, on, on something. You abandon your previous loyalty. You did run well, but what hath hindered you? We know to do good. We know to do right, but what, what come into play that would cause you to abandon or defect in what you know is true? A person, let, let me say it like I received it today from the Lord in prayer. When, you're a, when I looked at the word reprobate, it said a person of bad character. Your character matters. Don't let your good be evil spoken of. Don't let your good be even spoken of. For Romans 1.28, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now that stood out to me today. When God turns you over to a reprobate mind, you're going to do things that are not convenient. You're going to have to work hard to do those things. It's not going to come easy because you know too much. 
You've, you've heard too many sermons. You've heard too many messages. You've experienced too many moves of God. So when God turns you over to a reprobate mind, you're going to be turned over to do things which are not convenient. What that lets me know, living for God's easy. Living for God's not hard. It's all in how you look at it. It's an honor and a privilege to embrace what he's done. The work of grace. He purchased me. I'm not even my own. I've been bought with a price. But the old enemy will try to tell me it's better out there. It's better. Uh, you're restricted. You're confined. You can't do this. Or you can't. I'm glad I can't do some things. I'm glad I don't go certain places. I'm glad I've got the blood that's purchased me on my. Woo. Matthew 20 and 16. So the last shall be first and the first last. For many be called, but few are chosen. It's one thing to start, but it's another thing to finish. I don't want to backslide, church. I don't want us to backslide in our most defining moment. If you do these things, you shall never fail. If you do these things, it's really not that hard when you process it like I'm going to present it to you. Because when you're doing these things, it's putting fail-safes in your life. Fail-safes are built with the expectation that failure situations will present themselves. The opportunity to fall. The opportunity to walk away. The opportunity to, to go back like a dog to its vomit will present itself. But to prevent these things from happening, once you put things in your life, it keeps you from falling. So I begin to look at this thing, and if you do these things, you shall never fall. How many are thankful for the Constitution? And I started thinking about Constitution. The act or process of composing or setting up or establishing. Our founding fathers established a Constitution framed in 1787, ratified in 1789. And, and there have been various amendments through, through the centuries. But there was a purpose for that Constitution. It was to set in order a way of life. For which we enjoy today. There is a movement right now trying to undermine the Constitution. They're trying to alleviate and change things. But when I look at the word Constitution, it was the composition or structure of something. It was the physical makeup, the Constitution of someone. It's the physical makeup of a person having a strong composition you would have no problem climbing a mountain or enduring tough, tough situations. So when I looked at composition, I was reminded of the children of Israel. When they came out of Egypt, they were slaves. They, were sla they had a slave mentality. They had been ruled and reigned on for, for, for hundreds of years. They, they were not only slaves, slaves, but they had a slave mentality. They only knew how to operate with somebody telling them what to do. 
You woke up in the morning. You got hay. You got straw. You, you, you did all of the things that built the kingdom of Pharaoh. But when God's people were let go, they were structureless. There was no structure in place. There was no laws. There was no, no governing constitution. So what did God do? God gave Moses the law. Why? Because he knew humanity without some type of constitution or structure or law. They would just go crazy. There would be no restrictions. There would be no restraint of their flesh. So God began to put law in place or structure. And their structure is what caused God to move in their midst. You want, I'll show you where a move of God is. It's in structure. When you've got structure, that's why God gave specific dimensions to a tabernacle in the wilderness. He said, I want you to make it this dimension, this wide. I want you to make each uh, of the elements, the altar, uh, the brazen laver, the, 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 the altar of incense, the table of showbread, the manure, the ark of the, the, the manure and the ark of the covenant. All of these things uh, had dimensions. And all of it could fit in the altar. But there was structure. God understood structure. We as a people of God, we must understand that God's put, put structure in our life for a purpose. God puts a pastor in your life to help you with structure. I'm not talking about legalism, and I'm not talking about where, where you know, you... You can't breathe without calling me and asking me what to do. Come on now, somebody help me right now. But God does give you a shepherd after his own heart. And there are standards in our church that I believe. And I believe there, it's a structure for this body. And many times you don't understand the standard. And you, what's the principle or what's the reason for this? It's to protect us. It's to, it's to backslide proof your life in your family. Well, is it a heaven or hell issue? No, it may not be a heaven or hell issue, but is it a harvest you want to reap from? Is it a seed you want to plant that you may not reap from, but your kid may reap from? We have structure. There's constitution. There's obedience to the word of God that protects us. Standards, fences, boundaries. Not only keep things out, but it keeps things in. I, I don't know about you, but, but I'm very focused. Very, very. How is this going to affect my life? Because if I move this... What's going to be affected by it? If I move this landmark, what's going to be affected? If I stop doing this, what's going to be effective? If I let down on this, what's going to be effective? That's why the Bible says, don't remove the old landmarks. There was a purpose for that. There, there was a reason. So before we remove structure, before we remove landmarks, we need to ask ourselves, why is it here? Why did our forefathers put it here? Why? Because there was a reason why. They were protecting us from something. Before we just throw it all away and scrap the whole, 
Well, you just live any way you want to. You know what you're doing? You're living with no restraint and your flesh is going to, you're going to sow into your flesh corruption that you've got to reap from. But we're talking tonight, how do I backslide proof my life? What can I do to prevent that from happening? Glad you asked. Seven things. And again, I'll say to you, verse 10. Wherefore the rather, brethren, giving diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. And again they are. Add to your faith virtue. Somebody say virtue. Add to your virtue knowledge. Add to your knowledge temperance. To your temperance patience. To your patience godliness. To your godliness brotherly kindness. To brotherly kindness charity. Adding to your faith. Remember, God multiplies, but you add. God's not going to add into your life what he called you to add. 2 Peter 1-4, through 4, Simon Peter, a servant of the apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior. Verse number one in the NLT, I am writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. He's not talking to sinners. He's talking to saints. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. So he was writing to people who shared the same common faith. The same belief. They believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord. They had the same Holy Ghost that we have. And that same faith that they had and that we have provoked Jesus to write these words. He said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Faith is the foundation of our experience. Everybody say, say amen. Faith is the foundation, but we can't stop at faith. Everyone's been given a measure of faith. He put us all at the same, we're at the foot of the cross with the measure of faith given to us. But we can't stop there. If we stop with just the acknowledgement or the confession of faith, but there's no obedience and there's no adding on, the chances of the enemy coming in like a flood are very high. Because you have no structure in your life. You've added nothing to your life. You're just operating in a realm of faith. Well, the devils believe in tremble, Sister Kendall. The devils believe in tremble. So, if that's all we have in common with the devil is believing in one God, we're in bad shape. That's all they've got, Brother Paul. Well, I believe in one God. Well, the devil does that. You're going to, more than likely, the opportunity to backslide is going to present itself. But here we go. It's what we add to our faith that matters. It's what we add to the experience that we get in the watery grave of baptism at the altar where we receive the Holy Ghost. The Bible said in verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. When you look at this, 
When you begin to get in the word of God, grace and peace be multiplied by God unto you. By God. You've just got to start adding it and God starts multiplying. You start adding some things and God starts multiplying some things. When I look at John 14, 27, peace I leave you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. I give unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. When you look at God's multiplication process on the day of Pentecost, what were happening? The church, we are adding. The devil loves to subtract, but the church was added unto that day. But remember, God adds and multiplies, but we add. Acts 2.47, God added to the church. Acts 6 and 1, in those days when the number of disciples were multiplied. When we look at adding to our faith knowledge. Knowledge. Everybody say full discernment and acknowledgement. Full discernment. When you add to your faith knowledge, you get a full discernment of what's going on. There is an acknowledgement. To God, when Thomas in John 20 and 28, and Thomas answered unto him when he had touched his hands and he inserted them into his side, he said, my Lord and my God. There was knowledge that could not be debated. He under, There was divine knowledge given. Proverbs 3 and 6, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. In the, um, in the New Living Translation, in verse number 3 of Second Peter, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through knowledge of him that hath called us to his glory and virtue. Through knowledge of him. It's one thing to believe, but it's another thing to have knowledge who he is. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. I said, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. Ephesians 2 and 8, and I'm going to read a lot of scriptures. They probably will not be able to keep up, but Ephesians 2 and 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. He does not always give us all we might like, but all that we need for life and godliness he gives us. 1 Corinthians 12 and 8, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. When I looked at the word knowledge, and I understand knowledge is full discernment. I don't know about you, but I want to I have a discerning spirit when I'm walking through this thing called life. When situations come and spirits come knocking, I better know. I better have a, an understanding, a, a full discernment and acknowledgement. Of what's happening. Be, be careful what voices you listen to. Be careful what's being propagated. And trying to desensitize you. Because you better hang on to knowledge. I know what I was taught. I know what I believe. I know what was handed down to me. I know what mama and daddy had. I got it for myself. I've got full discernment of it. If you don't have full discernment. This is where you need to start. I need to add to my faith knowledge. A life, a life without knowledge, a life without full discernment 
is a life being really, I would say, half lived. Because when you begin to add, when you begin to add knowledge, you're going to begin to realize and understand things when you read the Word of God. Things are going to just leap off the Word of God, and I'm going to go very fast. Everybody say, save in faith. The initial acceptance of the love of God. Job said, for I know my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand on the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold and not another, though my reign be consumed with me. John 20, 27, and 29. Then he said unto Thomas, and I'm coming back to these scriptures I've already alluded to. Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither my, thy hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. We're among the ones that have not seen. But we're still believers because we are moving and operating in the faith, that saving faith, that initial acceptance of the love of God. So if I'm going to backslide proof my life, I've got to have that knowledge of him, but I'm going to add to my faith. Everybody say virtue. I looked at virtue. Here's where we get derailed many times. Virtue is moral excellence. You want to know what virtue is? Moral excellence. Moral excellence. It's excellence. It's resolution. It's Christian energy. It's proper. It's praise. When you look at virtue, valor is also used. It's strength of mind or spirit that enables a person to encounter danger with firmness or personal bravery. We're in a society right now where everything virtuous is being attacked. Everything moral is being attacked. This is why Peter was addressing the apostolic church then. Really no different now. Really. They were dealing with all manner of, uh, of spirit, all manner of sins, all manner. I mean, just go look at the church at Corinth, and you just fast forward all through the, the different churches that Paul was writing to. It, it was just wickedness in high places. It was spirits and demons and rulers. It, it was just all manner of things. And he's writing unto the church, and he says, the first thing I want you to do you better get some moral excellence about you when you get beyond saving faith. You've got to get, if you don't get your morals right, you will backslide. Because when your morals are out of kilter, you're going to satisfy this flesh. 
You're going to get tangled up and tied up in all the junk that's going on out there in the world. And you're going to, it, it's going to catch you so off guard. And you're going to be so far drifted. And it all ties back. I did not add to my faith virtue. A moral excellence. The Stoics were very confused. They were very focused on the idea of virtue and held it. The four cardinal virtues. Wisdom, morality, courage, and moderation. True virtue is not a tame or passive thing. It requires great energy and boldness for its very essence is firmness. It's manliness and independence. Paul said all things were lawful to him, but he would not be brought under the power of any. There are some things that are lawful for us to do. But he said, I'm not going to let them control me. I'm not going to be submitted and subjected to them. That's where moral excellence steps in and says, you know what? It's okay that I don't do this. It's okay that I don't go. Because I'm trying to backslide proof my life. It's not where I'm at necessarily right now. But where's it going to take me? Where's it going to take me from where I'm at right now? Moral excellence. What helps shape our moral excellence? What you watch. What you listen to. What you do. What you read. You should wake up every day, men. And I'm, and I'm repeating what I, what I read. Vice President Pence, and I quote, would not ride in a car alone with a woman. That's a known fact. That's just a good principle to protect your marriage. Come on, men. That, that's vice versa to ladies. Don't let your good be evil spoken of. How is this going to look? What is this going to do for my witness? I'm adding to my faith virtue. Moral excellence. Because when I add it, you know what I'm doing? I'm putting another pillar in my life that's going to keep me anchored and going to help me to backslide proof my life. And I've already alluded to knowledge. I was talking about the knowledge of Christ. We've got to have a knowledge of Christ. But that full discernment and acknowledgement is going to create moral wisdom. with Moral excellence, but moral wisdom, such as seen in right living. James 2 and 19, thou believe in one God and dost wells, and the devils also believe and tremble. Genesis 2 and 9, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant and into the sight, and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Why? When I look at that, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We need to be aware when we start experimenting with things. What you're unlocking into your life. You remember when the, when the old serpent come and tempted Eve? She told the serpent that Adam told her that we're not even to touch it. Could that be why Adam put that in her spirit? 
Because if I can keep you away from it, just don't touch. Because if I can't touch it, I won't eat it. That's why we have standards. That's why we have, you, you know, things that we do and don't do. Because it's keeping me from things. It's just one of those things we don't do. Because it, don't touch it. Because you're going to unlock something. You're going to understand that, hey, I'm naked. Well, what do you mean I'm naked? How did you even know? You ate of the fruit of the tree from the knowledge of good and evil that I told you not to. You've got the tree of life sitting over here that you can eat fruit from every day. But it's always what you can't have that attracts you. It's always what's appealing to the flesh that pulls you, and that's why you backslide. That's why you lose out with God. You're always craving for something. Well, I, wanna, I, I just want to be happy. That's your flesh crying. I just want to be me. I want to do me. We better be careful doing me. Because me is going to get you in a lot of trouble. Me is going to cause you to make a lot of detrimental mistakes. Uh, that if you're not careful, you're going to backslide. You're going to lose out with God. Uh, and you're going to forget from which you have fallen and been redeemed. Oh, God. Oh, God. Ooh. I'm trying to hurry. Jesus, help us. Romans 1, 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Church at Rome. Roman Empire just, just railing in that, in that known world at that time. And all manner of false doctrine. They didn't like to retain. It kind of sounds like today we don't want to retain God in our knowledge. We better hang on to God. We better hang on to the Word of God. It's going to be one of those things that backslide proof. Everybody say temperance. Temperance. Chastity. Chastity. Self-government or moderation with regard to man's appetites, passions, and propensities of all kinds. And I hate some of these seem redundant, but when you're temperate, you're tempering this flesh. You can't give your flesh everything it wants. This, if it feels good, do it movement. We better get that under control. We're trying to backslide proof our life. If, we, if we're drawn away by the lust of this flesh and we're drawn away with our own affections, we're going to backslide. That's why he said, I've got to add to my faith virtue and my virtue knowledge and my knowledge temperance. I've got to temper this flesh. The temperance movement began in the early 1800s as a movement to limit drinking in the United States. The movement combined a concern, the movement combined a concern for the general social ills with religious sentiment and practical health considerations in a way that was appealing to many middle class reformers. And this is a, a Gallup poll from just a couple of years ago. It is the closest I could get for an illustration. 63% of Americans drink alcohol. The favored be beverage of choice is beer. Some 42% 42 Amer 42 of Americans consumed an estimated of 6.3 billion gallons of beer in a year. Proverbs 21 said, wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging and whatsoever, or whosoever is deceived thereby 
is not wise. The word moderation refers to restraint on the passion. Restraint on the passion. General soberness of living. Being free from all excesses. You can make a sin almost out of anything. If it gets between you and God, it becomes an idol. And God will not have a substitute. He will not have anyone else that we worship but Him. God's calling us to temper our affections, temper our flesh and passions and appetites. Acts 24, 24 through 26, and after certain days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And he reasoned, and as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I'll call you. You see, when you backslide, you're not promised to ever have another season at this. When you walk away from truth and when you walk away from things that God's calling you to add to your life. Felix, we never read in scripture where Felix ever had another opportunity. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Philippians 4 and 5, let your moderation be known unto all men. Let people know we can temper our flesh. It's okay when you get in the workplace and everybody else is going to happy hour. I'm going to go home to my wife. When everybody else is going partying on the weekend. No, you know what? I don't do that. And don't be ashamed of it. I can't tell you. Brother, Brother Lockhart can agree. I can't tell you the work parties. I call it a work part, the work gatherings or socials that I bought with a Coke in my hand. Everybody else had that little clear glass with that little bitty, bitty straw sticking out the top. You know what it is, okay. And I'm walking around. It's okay to be separate. God places us in places so that our temperance can be seen of others and be a witness to others. We think it's temper controlling my temper. No, temperance is controlling your flesh. It's tempering that fleshly desire. It's temp. Why? Because I don't want to backslide. I don't want to backslide because I know if I backslide, and, and, I, and I'm not, I'm being serious. I'll be the worst sinner there is on the street if I backslide. Because you know what? The drink that it took to get me to a certain place before I got saved won't do it anymore. I got to have way more than that. The drugs, the alcohol, the promiscuous, none of that would be satisfaction because I know too much. I've heard too much. I've experienced too much. You see, I'm trying to keep us from backsliding because the latter end of it the latter end of it. You can't control where you'll end up. You'll do things that you never dreamed you would do if you just would have tempered that flesh. If you would have just added to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to your knowledge temperance. 
But, it's, but let, let's go on a little bit further. My God, I won't get finished tonight. Y'all all right? I got to add to my, to my temperance, patience. And a lot of times we look at that in, in, in a way, man, I'm just impatient. And, and it is one of the, it's one of the definitions. But patience is cheerful or hopeful endurance. Constancy, enduring, patient, patient, continuous, waiting. Here is where the enemy will cause you to backslide. Is when God has not fulfilled a promise yet that's been spoken over your life. He's not done what his word and what's been prophesied and what's been said and what you've read and what you've believed. It hadn't happened yet. So I guess I'll just, I'll just quit. But patience, this is what's got to happen in, in the heart of us tonight, is we've got to get cheerful while we endure. Because I don't know when the day's going to come, when the prophetic word, when the days of time have come, and the word is fulfilled, and it happens. I just got to start getting cheerful. This could be the day. This could be the moment. I'm not backsliding, devil. I've got hopeful endurance. I'm adding to my experience patience devil you think I'm quitting no 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 I'm adding some things to my life because I refuse to backslide I've got patience working on my side so if you see me in here dancing and shouting you know what I'm doing I'm praising in advance because it ain't happened yet but I'm getting cheerful in my endurance I'm getting cheerful while I'm waiting I'm getting excited because oh it could be tomorrow it could be this weekend that my boy walks in the It ain't happened yet. The waters ain't been stirred in a few in a few weeks. It could be this week. I gotta get patience added into my life. So maybe that'll help some of you tonight. Maybe that'll just get excited in advance. Just start getting cheerful. Just laugh in the devil's face. It ain't happened yet, but it's about to. You see, we talk about the de- the patience of Job. We talk about that. Let me tell you what the patience of Job looks like. Y'all ain't ready, but I'm going to help you. Though he slay me. Though he slay me. Though he thrust a dagger through my heart. Yet will I trust him. You see patience right there. Job 19, 25 through 27. For I know my Redeemer liveth. And that he shall stand at that latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. He's in the middle of his crisis, and he's declaring with patient endurance, I'm going to see God. God's going to be fine. I'm going to see him with my own eyes. Take all my cattle, take all my houses, take all my children, take my wife, take it all. Because of Job's patient endurance, he would live and it would be penned in the last chapter of Job. And after this, after this, and you do the math. You do the math. He blessed the latter part of Job greater than the former. 
It's called adding patience. Everybody say add patience. Godliness. Godliness. What is godliness? The quality or practice of conforming to the laws of God or the wishes of God. Devoutness and moral uprightness. If I want to backslide proof my life, I've got to be okay. In here. In here. Holiness is okay. Godliness is right. I got to get convinced of this. I ain't ashamed that we're holiness people. I'm not ashamed this is who I am. Talk about me if you will. This is who I am. I, when I looked at this, the quality or practice of conforming to the laws of God and wishes of God. All that basically is saying is, I get enough of this in me. I start conforming to this. Not that. I conform to the pattern. I conform to the word. Not to the world. I heard Bishop Carpenter last night said, "If hold on, I want to make sure I say it right. Bishop, if you're watching, I'm about to quote you from your message last night. You bless me. He said these words to me, or in his message. He said, if the world fits you, you're the wrong side. If the world fits you, I'm just a pilgrim passing through. I don't belong here. You don't belong here. We're just passing through trying to make an influence and an impact on someone to get them to the same place that we're striving to get to. And if the world still fits you, you need to add something to your life. You need to add something that's going to separate you from a world that's going to be destroyed with fire. Ooh, the Hebrew word for holy in the Old Testament, the word means separate or set apart. It refers to a moral quality of a person. When it is applied to God, it means God is set apart from sin. When we are set apart unto God, we separate ourselves from the world. The meaning of righteousness, uh, 206 times in the Old Testament, it means being lawful or conforming to the law. Romans 3, 10 through 12, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. But 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we may be made the righteousness of God in him. There is no way that we can be righteous in and of ourselves. It's not possible. But when I add the Holy Ghost in my life, what he gives, I add to my life. I can now become the righteousness of Christ. We are to add righteousness to our lives because God makes it available to us and we can do it. Let me just say it like this, church, adding each of these principles is a continuous action. It's not one and done. 
It's every day I'm adding. It's every week I'm adding. It's every month I'm adding. Because the day, the moment I quit, I open the gateway. I open an entranceway for a spirit of deception to rush in. And I can have the potential to backslide. Mm. Godliness is a behavior. You want to be godly, you, it's going to be revealed in your behavior. 1 Peter 4 and 8, for bodily exercise profited little. Hallelujah, thank you Jesus. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Hebrews 14, 12 and 14, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. 1 Timothy 6, 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 16, these things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But I tarry, but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Come, y'all reading that? How we ought to behave in the house of God. How we ought to behave in the house of God. I could stay there for a minute. Which is the church of the living God. The pillar and ground. Woo! Structure. The pillar and ground of truth. In 1 Timothy 3.16 And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Somebody shout godliness. Godliness is still right. Holiness is still right. Uh, holiness is not a curse word. Holiness is not bondage. Uh, holiness is freedom in Christ. When I'm holy, when I'm righteous, I'm as close to God as I can be. Be ye holy, for I am holy. When I'm righteous, when I'm being obedient to his word, I'm as close to him as I can be. Add godliness, brotherly kindness. Can y'all handle a little bit more? I'd love to get through this tonight. Brotherly kindness cannot exist. Without godliness. In the New Testament. Kindness is translated from the Greek. This word describes gentleness. Goodness. Uprightness. Generosity. And graciousness. The New Testament describes kindness as an attribute of God. Kindness is a characteristic of true love. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. I don't know about you, but I'm glad we have a church that's kind. Somebody ain't kind to you, you come talk to me. Brother Guzman, come talk to me. I'm, I'll get them. Brother Edwin, come get me. We're striving to, to, to maintain unity, Brother Matthew. We're striving, Sister Angie. I want this church to be known. Man, this place is the kindest place you'll ever walk in. You don't ever have to be ashamed to invite somebody to this church. They let me in the room. It's okay. The Bible says, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. 
get honor preferring one another. We can be unkind in word and deed. But if we would practice this one spiritual principle, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. When we have guests walk in this room, and we're huddled up over here, or we're huddled up over there, and you see somebody you ain't seen in a while, make a beeline to that door. Hug their neck, shake their hand, introduce yourself. That's not just the greeter's job. That's, just, that's not just the usher job. And I've said it before, I'm going to say it again. Do not, I'm going to pastor for a second, do not say, well, look what the cat drug in. That's the last thing. You don't know the demons they fought to get in the room. You don't know how bad it was for them to get in that car and drive to this church because you've seen their social media posts. You know what kind of life they've been living. You know, you know all the dirty laundry and the last thing they need is a judgmental, self-righteous person looking at them and looking. No, 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 no. God's calling us to be kind. Brotherly kindness. We're not going to be like the world. We're not going to. No, no, no. I want them here. I don't care what they did last weekend. I don't care what they do on Saturday if they can just get here and hear a word. If they can just get in the atmosphere with a bunch of Holy Ghost filled people who have added some things to their life. Let me, let me just. Whoo, my God. We're not in the kiddie end of the pool. We done got into the deep end of the pool. We got too many of us, we're just splashing around in the, in the shallow end. God's calling us, church, out of the shallow into the deep. Waters to swim in. If you get in waters to swim in, you ain't going to backslide. You're not going to backslide. Brotherly kindness. Let me, let me finish. It's after 8 o'clock. I'm going to try to end on this. Number seven, charity. Kind of tying it all in. Let me go back to, let me go back to Romans 12, 9 through 10 in the NLT. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Celebrate brothers and sisters. Brother Guzman, I hope you get every contract in North Alabama to paint. Don't you? Don't you too? But if you're a painter in this church, and I'm just making an example, it's not in my notes, and your work is struggling and you hear he's doing good, let me tell you the key to your victory. You start celebrating with him and the blessings of God in his life. Before long, yeah, I got this job over here. What, what? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I need a painter. You hear somebody get a new house and you still praying, God, I need a house. We're living in a dump. Start clapping your hands when somebody else gets a. Start rejoicing when somebody else gets a promotion. Start rejoicing when somebody else. It's brotherly kindness. It, 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 it's amazing what happens when we start rejoicing in the success of others and the blessing of others. You know what you do? You lay your head on your pillow at night. You feel a little bit better. You do feel better. 
because I'm not so consumed with what I need and I'm praying and I'm blessing and I'm extending a hand of appreciation onto somebody else. I know I've lived long enough. My day's going to come. If I've added, if I put these pillars in my life, charity suffereth long. Ooh. And it's kind. Charity envieth not. Oh, Jesus. Charity vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. This is 1 Corinthians 13. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Neither not, seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth, rejoiceth not in iniquity. But rejoiceth in truth. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abideth hope, faith, hope, charity. But these three, the greatest of these is charity. When I look at charity or love, the agape is affection and benevolence. In charity, there's three things in the story of the Good Samaritan. There's the takers, there's the keepers, and there's the givers. Which one are you? If we give graciously, the recipient can receive with dignity. Never be condescending. The good Samaritan gives us the story. And Jesus answers saying, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds. Pouring in oil and wine and setting him on his own beast. Brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed. He took out two pence and gave them to the host. And said unto him. Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more. When I come again. I'm going to give it back to you. Which now of these three. Are you? Which now of these three. Thinkest thou? Was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves. Well, the old, old Levi, he passed him on by. One that should have been the, been the one to help him, but he's just a good Samaritan, just a good guy. It's okay to be a good guy. You know, a lot of people are good guys, good people. They give you the shirt off their back. I want to use this last illustration. If you'll put on that screen for me and I need some men to help me. If you'll start at verse number five. I'm all by myself. I'm standing here, Brother Michael. And all I'm standing with is faith. Got the Holy Ghost. Living on the inside of me. I got the faith. But I'm by myself, Rick. He said, Lo, I'm with you always. I understand that scripture now. I'm taking it out of context. But really, I'm all by myself. What's the chances of me backsliding when I'm by myself? Pretty high. Pretty high. I ain't got nobody around me. I'm like, you know, I'm coming to church all by myself. I'm, I'm lonely. I'm, you know, but I got God and I got my faith. But I'm talking about how to backslide proof your life. Add to your faith 
you'll put that on the screen. Add to your faith virtue. Could you be virtue? You'll come help me. You're going to stand with me. All right. Got morals. I ain't operating like an old barnyard dog. I've been saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. But I added to that experience some virtue. Come help me. Add to your virtue. What are we going to add to our virtue? Is it on that screen yet? Second Peter. Let me get my notes. I'll get them out of line. That's the only reason I need my notes. Second Peter 1. 1 through 11. I'm going to add to my faith virtue. I got my virtue and now I've got knowledge. My chances of backsliding now are pretty slim. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hedging my bets. I'm going to make it. But if I come down here and I add to my knowledge temperance, somebody be temperance. Somebody come help me, Brother Jonathan. Just get a, a stand about right there. I'm going to add to my temperance patience. Come on, Brother John, Brother Eddie Jones. Temperance, patience, stand right there. Brother Tanner, you'll be godliness. Come help me be this. I'm going to add godliness, Brother Chris, brotherly kindness. Stand behind me. Y'all stand behind me. Brotherly kindness. Charity. Brother Tim Vest, you'll be charity. Y'all would stand like right here. And you're going to stand right here. <laughs> Y'all getting the visual? Are you seeing? If I don't want to backslide. If I want to make sure that I never leave the church. I never backslide from truth and I'm not, I, I don't believe a lie of false doctrine and when winds are, are swirling and when the enemy comes in like a flood, standards raised, raised high. When I would, the Bible says I shall, I won't ever fall because somebody, my God, something's going to catch me. Something's going to catch me. I, I got something in, I got something I've added to my life. That's keeping, I'm not by myself. I'm not walking this life by myself. But I've added some things and I've got some moral excellence and moral wisdom. And I've got some knowledge of Christ and knowledge and discernment. I've got some patience. I've got some temperance. Oh God, I've got virtues. Oh God, I've got godliness. I've got a relationship with God and his word stand. I took it, now I'm reaching for my brother. Now I'm teaching a home Bible study. I, I, I'm reaching into a, into a gutter and I'm teaching someone else truth from which I've received. And, and I'm reaching to those that have fallen. I, I, I'm finding the one that's fallen by the wayside and I, I'm just being a good man. Amen. I'm just a good man. 
of helping that Samaritan, that good Samaritan help. I'm going to give you a couple dollars, but you know what? If you need a little bit more, I'm going to bring When I come back through, if it costs you more, I'm going to take care of it. You know what all this says? If I'll do this, I'll be here next year. Thank you for I won't fall. Brother Matthew, this is what you got to do. This is what pastors got to do. Sister Bell, that's what we've been doing. If I do what I'm preaching, if we do what I'm instructing, we're going to have a strong church. Not weak, not anemic. We won't be, well, I wonder, Brother, Brother Lockhart's going to be here today. No, he's going to be here. I, I don't have, Brother Brian, I don't have to worry. You're going to be here. Brother Paul, you're here. Now, is there opportunities to back that? Absolutely. Every week. But when you're tempted to fall, what you've added will keep you. What you've added, what you've put in your life will be the very structure that holds you. No structure, you're going to fall. I ain't submitting to them structures. I'm not submitting to them standards. You know what? You probably more than likely won't be here very long. I'm not being ugly and I'm not being rude. It's just life. Something's going to happen. You're going to get offended. Somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to do. Boom. But when you get, but when they that love the law, they that love the word and nothing shall offend you. Why? Because I got some stuff in my life. I got some things hold me. I've got some stuff in me that the devil, hit me with your best shot, devil. I'm going to be here come hell or hell. Water. I'm going to be here. I'm going to make heaven my home. I didn't start to stand to your feet. I didn't start this thing to, to just quit. I started this to finish. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I don't back. Father, I'm asking you right now to seal this word in the hearts. God put a moral compass in every one of us. God put a constitution of structure in us. God, you came to fulfill the law. Now you've written it in our hearts. It's written on our hearts. But God, we have to add. We've got to discipline this old flesh. We've got to say yes to you and no to our lust desires. We say those, those pleasures of this world, those things that would distract us, oh God, those things that would pull us. God resurrect. I'm closing in Jesus' name. I'm going to say this as loving as I can because I know what I'm, I'm under the anointing of God. I was raised with men of God, and you know my spirit. If they asked me to do something, I did it. Yes, sir, Pastor. You've got to give an account for me. I'm absolutely. If you feel this is what I need to do, absolutely. I'm asking God to resurrect the respect for ministry. 
the respect for authority. That, you know what? You may not feel convicted of it. You may not understand it, but pastor, I trust, I, I trust where we're going in the Holy Ghost. And if you say I need to do this or I don't need to do this or I'm asking you, I, I just believe it'd be a good covering of protection for you and your, yes, sir, I'm going to do it. I'm going to obey because I'm trying to backslide proof your wife. Lord, there's no way to end the service like this. But God, I'm asking you to resurrect some old-fashioned conviction. Moral conviction. Let us see righteousness like we've never seen it before. Let us see purity like we've never seen it before. God, if there's things going on in this church body, reveal it. In the Holy, reveal it, God. Show me in the Holy Ghost so I can help guide this church in the path of righteousness. God, I submit to your will.